Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer. Y'all, we are back. I could not be more excited. And to celebrate our return, our season premiere, I am sitting down with Kathleen Hislop for a playthrough of its new game, Call It In The Ring. Call It In The Ring is a role-playing game about wrestling, specifically the beautiful art form of tag team wrestling. Players take on the role of a tag team of wrestlers who have collectively finally earned a shot at the tag team championships. By drawing through a deck of cards, players get to know their wrestlers, get to know their opponents, and then experience this big climactic match beat by beat by beat, embodying both the wrestlers and the people around them in the ring and swapping off control in really fun and interesting ways as directed by the card prompts. I loved this game. I loved playing it. I had such a great time with it. I really think you're going to love listening to it. Uh, This game was such a delight. You should absolutely go and check it out. You can find more information about Call It In The Ring at Zaftikat, that's Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T dot itch dot I-O, or you can check the show notes for more information. In addition to a wonderful game designer, Kat is also a podcaster and one of the hosts of Marking Out With My Girlfriend, a podcast in which Kat, well, marks out about wrestling with her girlfriend. That show is also great. You should check that out. You can find more information about that as well as everything else Kat is working on in the show notes. And with all that said, let's go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. I am so excited this week to be sitting down with Kathleen Hislop. Kathleen, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a, uh, this is actually just genuinely very exciting. I love this show. <laughs> I'm very excited. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be playing the game today that we're playing. Uh, this is, uh, did you know that this is my jam? Is that, a, would that, would that, was that a surprise to you at all? <laughs> Uh, would it surprise you if I told you that I wrote this game specifically as Jeff Stormer bait? Good. I'm glad it worked. I'm glad to know that the traps still work. That's the, that's the <laughs> goal is to, is to make sure that the lures and to make sure that like, cause you know, sometimes, sometimes I got to make sure that I'm still susceptible to the same weaknesses that I know that I am. Um, I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. Can you uh, give us a, at the very top before we dive in? Why don't you take a moment and let our lovely listeners at home know about uh, the game that we are playing this week, as well as anything else you've got going on that you might want them to know about? Yeah. So this week we're going to be playing a game that I wrote called "Call It in the Ring." It is a tag team wrestling RPG because tag team wrestling is the best kind of wrestling, in my opinion. It's great. It's a good. It's uh, a good thing. <laughs> and the game is played with a deck of cards. And uh, basically drawing cards to determine the action that happens in the ring, calling it in the ring. And the premise is that you are a team of smaller wrestlers taking on the much larger champions. Uh, The wrestler that I had in mind for the audiobook, if I ever produce one, is Big Calyx. Love it. Love it. (laughs) And... Your goal is to tell a really compelling story through in-ring work that makes the audience cheer and boo and gasp and scream and have a good time with it, just like tag team wrestling usually does. And the other goal that I had was to make it so that nobody had any downtime in playing. So there's a little switch off where when you're not the legal man, you're in control of the champions. So it keeps everyone involved. I was reading through it today, and that is a very clever touch, and I appreciate I appreciate the switching back and forth. I I appreciate the questions to build out the champions. Uh, 
This is very effective, Jeff Stormerbane. Frankly, I'm a little angry about it, if I have to be honest. I mean, you know, <laughs> if I, in having listened to however many episodes that I have listened to of Party of One, if I can't make effective Jeff Stormerbait, I don't think I've been listening carefully enough. That's fair. No, that's fair. I appreciate it. I, I am excited for this. Um, so why don't we go ahead and dive in? Um, we have built out a deck of cards. Um with uh we have split out the faces and number cards from our deck of cards we have taken half of those cards to make a deck that is specially sized for the length of time that we're going to be playing today and from there now that we are kind of ready to start building our characters and kicking things off why don't you uh let us know what the next step is talk us through the journey so far and tell us like what we're doing to make our characters yeah so first thing that we're going to do is uh talk about the journey so far we're on a winning streak. We've been getting a push behind the scenes for a little while, so now we're going to roll a d6 to determine what kind of program we've been in in order to kind of build out the beginnings of the story before we go into the match. So, uh, if you don't mind, I'll roll that d6. and Go, go ahead. Okay, so that is a three, which means we won a qualifier tournament. Taking down a single elimination tournament is no small feat, so we've earned this challenge. I love I love tournaments. This is my favorite thing in wrestling. I could not be more excited. Tournaments are phenomenal. Uh, so the next thing we're going to do is decide on our billing. So that's a set of four questions. Jeff, do you want to work face or heel for this match? I think I want to be face. I think I th- that okay. that feels that feels like what I'm what I'm what I'm excited about today. That, yeah, I, you know, the game works perfectly either way. We've done face, we've done heal. You can even do face heal changes in the game. So It might come up. If it, I kind of hope it does, we'll see how it goes. I, I'd be thrilled to work face. Uh, I have a character that I came up with while I was sitting around earlier. Um, so the, the wrestler that I've come up with is a Quebecois masked wrestler called Le Dand which is French for the turkey. Great. Love it. I am going uh, to consult I'm going to consult the most important document that I own, uh my most treasured possession, which is my list of 62 wrestler names and I'm going to pick one that I have not used recently. So it's Ladand and what's the what's the one that like really clicks uh thinking about thinking about Ladand, what's the one that really I'm going to go with um I think that I think this is a tag team that like I I see that I have one on here that is exactly what I'm going to go with um cuz I think the uh I think this fits really well if we are the uh if if I may propose a tag team name I'm all for it. I want to propose that we are the Niagara Falls Connection cuz I would like <laughs> to play the American Bigfoot. <laughs> that, that's absolutely perfect. The American Bigfoot? The American Bigfoot. The American Bigfoot and Ladon feels like a great, just like a good duo, and like that feels like a duo that like are are lovable losers that like mm-hmm. you could also visual like if we won the crowd would lose their shit for. Exactly, they're like the you know the team of the two guys who generally get jobbed out, but in this case are you know booked to take down this tournament. I think that's just such a beautiful story of the triumph of a couple of weird local jobbers who that's have great. incredibly strange gimmicks. Uh 
And I, I think, I mean, we got to be build. I, I, I think we are build from Niagara. I think are we just build from Niagara Falls, and it's left vague which which one it's it's from since it's technically both. Ooh, what if um? Okay, so this is a very obscure thing. Uh, maybe potentially less obscure recently. On either side of Niagara Falls, there are two rainforest cafes. One in the can one on the Canadian side, one on the American side. Could we be billed from the Rainforest Cafe in Niagara Falls? That's since funny. we're both animal themed. That's very funny. That's great. That's perfect. I could not yes, that is exactly where we are built from. We are built from the Niagara Falls. We are built from the Rainforest Cafe in Niagara Falls. We are the Niagara Falls connection. Uh and we are Ladonde and the American Bigfoot. That is beautiful. Uh, so this is great. Uh, and so with that, now we are, we have met our challengers and uh, this in retrospect faces the right call. I can't imagine booing either of these wrestlers. Yeah. They just have, they have that, like a little bit of that El Generico energy where it's really hard to boo them because they're just too nice. Yeah. They're sort of goofy. Like there's just the, that energy of like, we probably could have a heel run, but it doesn't feel like we could, like they would boo us so much as they would laugh when we were doing heelish things. All right. So I've split our deck of face cards into two stacks. Each stack is made up of six cards and we are going to go from the player that drew the Jack of spades. And that is me. Um, I will, what I will do is, uh, shuffle both of these now that I've got the Jack of Spades, uh, in play. I will shuffle the remainder of these, and then I will just read off, read off the card that each of us draws as I draw them. That works. And we'll go from there. So our first question to define our champions is the Jack of Hearts, and the Jack of Hearts is how many times have our opponents been champions before this? Hmm. I want to say... It's a young promotion. Mm-hmm. Does them being the first two-time champions sound good to yeah, you? Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that because it, it 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 means that like if we are ha- so have we won the title? Have we won the title before? I don't think so. Okay, I think- then that feels that feels good. That feels good if we are if we are going to take down the first two-time champions. I like that. I think that feels great. I like that because that means even if we win, they still have something over us, right? Like they mm-hmm. still have their they, we we we're not we're not fighting for their spot on the card. Exactly. And the fact that they have been champions twice means that there's that and there's that aura that we could win. Mm-hmm. So the first question for you is uh, the King of Diamonds. In what way were we negatively impacted by their most recent turn? So they're working heel since we're working face. Um, I like the idea that we used to be maybe part of the same stable. And that feels great. They turned on us. And in doing so, I think probably like heavily embarrassed us in, you know, like pie in the face kind of embarrassment, you know, where the two jokey comedy type wrestlers and mm-hmm. a pie in the face feels very clownish. Yeah. I like that. I really like that a lot. Uh, so my next question is the Jack of Diamonds. How did their most recent turn 
change the audience's perception of this has to be them going serious, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe they were that the first time they won the belts. The first time they were the, won the belts, I think they were like a they were like a uh, this would they were in our we were in a faction together. They won the belts. It was sort of a a it, like we were all kind of goofy, but like they were sort of the athletic half of the team, and we were mm-hmm. sort of the goofier half of the team. And when they turned on us, this most like then they lost the belts. Then they turned on us, went serious, swapped out whatever costumes they were wearing for, like, uh, blue jeans and vests, and now they have won the belts as, like, a serious team that are, like, you know, uh, tearing up the business. And I think the audience is responding to that in a big way. So does the audience kind of... I guess the question is, does the audience, like, into it? The, you know, the kind of, like, tweener-ish energy that, like, you know, some of those heel factions generally inhabit where the crowd clearly loves them, the Brit Baker energy, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term. Mm -hmm. I, so, here's what I want to pitch. I'm thinking about... I'm thinking about in in some of the extremely extremely small local promotions that I've seen um when like a comedy guy turns and like I'm thinking about like 30 person shows right mm-hmm. your 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 uh your H2O arena shows and I say that with all the love for that particular venue in the world I love that venue it's a beautiful venue it's my favorite spot in wrestling I recognize that it holds about 100 people um I when when somebody is like a goofy comedy person and then turns in that space, there is a there is a very real feeling that they could be stabbed at any moment, and I think that's the that's the audience response is like even if they like them, there's a very real st- feeling of like of like you are the worst people on earth. Okay, so the crowd is absolutely ready to throw hands. Yeah, yeah, that is, it is, it is difficult to hear their promos because the boos are so loud when they get onto the microphone. I think they've definitely also done the kind of like you know thirty person show crowd work where they knock someone's popcorn down or flip oh, someone's yeah. hat brim. You know the the typical indie show heel work. Ah, uh, it's it's a, it's an art form. Is what it is. Absolutely. Uh, so your next question is the King of Clubs. What event signaled that they had surpassed you? Oh, this one's one of my favorite questions. So uh, the kind of legend that we've built up with them being a part of our same stable and everything like that, I think it would have been their first championship run that like really put them over in the way that in a way that like made us kind of seem less significant. Love that. Yep. You know, they they were able to pull that championship belt off of the hanging rope that had it suspended over the ring or however they won the championship. And that, like, really cemented them as actual wrestlers rather than just the local comedy act. Yeah. And I think that definitely put them well past us in the crowd's mind. That's great. That's amazing. That's really good. Uh, so our next card, my next question is the King of Spades. What did they do to one-up us in their previous match that still has us fuming? Um, they definitely, the last time they fought us, um, 
maybe it was a maybe it was uh maybe we didn't just win the tournament when we beat them in the first round like we Ooh. were very much of the bracket buster and the thing that they did in that match that like has us fuming and has the crowd fuming is that they came out uh maybe they were both like if it wasn't if it's not necessarily masks like they came out with pieces of their gear like on their belts and then threw them threw them to the ground like that ultimate kind of symbol reminder of like hey we have not forgotten who we are we have abandoned who we are and we won't let you forget it and then we kind of scored a flash pin over them and went on to improbably win the entire tournament i i love that 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 sounds absolutely delightful like the the way that when you really turn on someone you like throw your past in their face it's mm -hmm. kind of got that same energy as the uh the first of boomer hatfield versus dasher hatfield mm -hmm. where the crowd just really hates it because the former hero is now the villain and it's just, yeah Mwah. chef it's, it's perfect it's perfect uh, so your next question is the Jack of Spades. What is their current gimmick and for how long have they used it? So we know that their recent turn is like a very big part of their changing characters. And I think I kind of want to have them have also changed their names when they did that big okay. turn. You know, like potentially even unmasking yeah, for that Yeah, I like turn. that. I really like that. Uh, so... The names that I just have off the top of my head, um, Falcon Crenshaw and Rex Powerstone. Fuck. Like, uh, Falcon Crenshaw feels like a Tiger Mask W character. It does. And, like, it I've very been, specifically does. <laughs> I've been watching that lately, so that's like right there in my mind and... Uh yeah, so I think their their whole gimmick is just being like strong men. That feels good. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so my next question: the queen of or the queen of clubs. What's our record against one another? Have you beaten them recently, or only when you were starting out? Um, I think our so this is uh this will be our rubber match is what I'm gonna say. Okay. I think the record is one and one. I think they beat us once upon a time, like like maybe it was even in their first tag run, right? Like when they were members of our faction, when they were when they were on our side, we had like a face versus face tag match that was very very intense, and they came out on top. They retained the belts, kind of yeah, further cementing us as the as the lesser members of the faction. Yeah that 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 sounds perfect. And then in the first round of this tournament, uh, we score a flash pin over them, which set gives us uh, one and one and sets this up as the third match in a series, which sets us up as the big as the big blow off, which is we've now won the tournament. And now we have to see if we can beat them again. Yeah, that this is all like I'm very excited for this match. Already. This is good. This is great. Uh, so your question is the Jack of Clubs. What was the outcome of your first match against each other? How large was the crowd? Uh, so I think our first match against each other was actually a very long time ago, relatively speaking, 
on like some very small indie circuit. Like we're talking like uh, Knights of Columbus Hall with like ten to fifteen people in it. Mm-hmm. The you know the kind of show where they serve pizza afterwards. Yeah, and I think you know we we had won that match but you know it was so early on in our careers nobody had masks on yet we all had different names and i think that kind of put us together as like on the same career trajectory i like that i really like that it's like the kind of match that you get booked in because it's just who showed up and then you end up being best friends afterwards yeah my next question is the queen of hearts how long have your opponents held the title belts? How many challengers have they defeated? I think the first time they held these belts was not for very long. I think when they were in the faction, they held them for like a decent amount of time, not mm-hmm. like a huge amount of time. They beat a few challengers and then they lost them. Then they turned on us. Then they won the belts and they've held these belts for like a reasonably long percentage of the company's like duration, like mm-hmm. has been this title reign and they're getting up to maybe we are, maybe we are match number. Maybe we're defense number 10. Maybe they are, they are cracking double digits and it is like a big deal to be like, we've defended these belts 10 straight times. Yeah. No, like that, that kind of like strong defense Maybe they had a couple of like open challenge matches too, just to prove that they were strong men and stuff like that. Yeah, that feels very good. Uh, so you've got the King of Hearts. From which team did they win the belts? How is that relevant to tonight's match, if at all? Uh, so I don't know that it's specifically relevant, but I did ask my wife to come up with a wrestling character just in case we needed to throw in some random extra wrestlers. And uh, they came up with Olive It Sam Golder, whose gimmick is that he puts olives in people's mouths. And I think um, Olive It Sam Golder and Doug the Olive Farmer were the team that they won the belts from. Can I can I propose a slight twist? I would love it. Can 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 uh, what was the olive farm? What did you say the olive farmer's name was? Doug the Olive Farmer. Can Doug the Olive Farmer be their manager? And can the second member of this tag team be Maxwell Martini? Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. No notes. Uh, that feels very good. That's great. And here's why, here's, if I may propose, like, why I think that's significant. Maybe that is the most recent in a series of, like, I think it's one of those things that, like, uh, and I say this, I, I say this phrase entirely with love. And I think that both of us on this, on this, on this podcast will, will understand what I mean by this and maybe feel a little called out. It's the kind of significant that wrestling nerds will point out on Twitter prior to the match, which is to say like, this is like the last in a series of like three defenses against goofier wrestlers. Mm hmm. Like it is, it is, and it's clearly, and so like, it's the, it, it is, there is, there are Twitter threads pointing out like they, these are the teams they defeated. It's all been building to them having to defeat their friends who are the symbol of the, the goofy past that they have lived. I love that. Yeah, that's, 
there's there's just so much of like this goofy wrestling is one of my favorite kinds of wrestling oh you and, and i both <laughs> like the fact that you know the the way you can go from goofy to deadly serious and like the way that that really just plays off the crowd i think that's brilliant i love it so my last question is the queen of spades whose masks or hair did they recently win in an apuesta is this their first set of masks uh i am gonna pull out my wrestler name uh and say they recently won it was not a masks match mm-hmm. it was a it was a. It was a it was a title versus ties match. This is my go to favorite tag team that I think <laughs> have shown up in like four different podcasts that I've recorded, which is uh, the Weekend Warrior and Nine to Five uh, Trevor Peter Stanton. Uh, they uh, the Weekend Warrior and TPS put up their ties because they would wear business ties to the mm-hmm. ring and they lost. <laughs> oh, and I, you know I think. It's gotta be one of those like really nice Jerry Garcia ties. Yeah. That that just got cut in half with some scissors. The tragedy of the loss of the swirly hippie patterns <laughs> is not lost on the crowd, that's for sure. No. And I think that's that's what they've just won. And it was it was a two out of three falls match because the Puestas are traditionally two out of three falls. And it was a two and O, is how is what I'm gonna phrase Ooh. it as. Like it was just they straight up murdered them. They just did. There was there was not a moment where they just took both of the falls and said, "We're taking, we're taking this from you." Like, go away. That adds a lot of brutality. I love that. And your final, your final card is the Queen of Diamonds. What major event signaled their most recent turn? So this actually, I think, plays into the way that we've talked about. Uh, them leaving the faction and building themselves up as these new strong men and unmasking and everything like that. And I think we've kind of almost answered that one already. Uh, I'm okay with leaving that where it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think that they, I think they embarrassed us and like, that was their sign that they were leaving behind the life, the, 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 the characters that they were and becoming this new serious uh, variation. And so with that, it's time for us to have the match. It's time for us to have our fight. So uh, talk us through how this, what this is going to look like. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be drawing cards from the deck of cards that I have in front of me. It's half a deck plus all the aces, minus all the faces. Uh, and then we'll respond to the prompts in sequence based on the number card that we draw and how many times we've drawn that number card so for the first like say for the first two we would answer two prompt number one for the second two two prompt number two and so forth uh then anytime a instruction says make a tag we'll switch who's the legal wrestler okay and uh there's a couple there that also say skip the next tag so if that comes up you just skip the make a tag part of the description as necessary. Uh, there's a couple of duo moves where we will work together to come up with our powerful combination strikes and grapples and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other than that, it should just play out as per the instructions. Great. So 
my favorite part is coming up. Uh, we have to decide if we're coming out of the tunnel together or individually and describe our entrance. Oh, my favorite, my absolute favorite. Hmm. I feel like we come out as a team. I think so. The Niagara connection is is definitely a strong one. I think that we come out as a team. Uh, I think this is also a good time to describe what our wrestlers like actually look like. Uh, yeah, that. Um, if you would like to go first, yeah, absolutely. Um, I am. Uh, very. I am like very large. Uh, like big, hairy, and fat is the way is the way to describe it. And I think like in that in that specific way that like uh, the way the, the the description that I always go back to is like. Arn Anderson in like 1985 where he's like he's chubby he's got the he's got sort of the barrel gut and he's just sort of like thick and large and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. looks does not look muscular like does not look like ripped but looks like he could tear you in half he's got like real work muscles rather than the typical like you know don't drink water for 6 days show muscles yeah exactly and i think i'm uh, i wear <laughs> I was about to say what it is, and then I realized what I'm actually thinking of, but I have to go with it. It's a Shockmaster vest. <laughs> it's the furry vest. Yep. Um, and um, is, like, wearing... It's, like, black trunks, the furry vest, and, no, and like, barefoot. Mm-hmm. And I think comes out like has like long flowing, like a long flowing, not all like ha- somewhere, somewhere close to a mullet, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Um, m- Wolverine style mutton chops. Oh, I love a good mutton chop. And like comes out, takes three struts and like tears the champion's shirt in half, like with a big scream. Mm hmm. I think that is that is that is the the American Bigfoot's big move is to tear something is like tearing something in half, uh, whether it is like a T-shirt or a towel or just like or like breaking a board in half. It's like does something to be like, I am I am uh, I am a monster. Uh, potentially tearing a phone book on occasion. Got to be. Yeah, got we've we've definitely got some phone books in there. Um, But like. Just is it comes out and is just like is just furious. Uh, and I think for Ludand, uh, the look that I have is a uh, like a wrestling singlet, but it's like covered in uh, like feathering pattern. Mm. So it's like applique feathers and things like that on a jacket that goes over the singlet. My mask is like a the mouth of the mask has a another applique covering where it makes it kind of almost look a little bit like a beak. And then around the head of like around the crown of the mask are little like faux turkey feathers to make like the tail fan that you would get from a hand turkey, but mm-hmm. in this case with uh you know nylon or whatever it is. And I think for my entrance, part of it is a, oh God, I think there's a part where 
a part in our music that kind of oh my god this is where i'm drawing a blank um because the only thing i can think of is turkeys staring up at the rain with their mouths open can i can i propose something absolutely do you do you run out of the back and jump on my back and i i i I run us both to the ring uh you you know that that is absolutely perfect (laughs) Like, I tear the shirt, you come, I effortlessly catch you on the back, and we just, like, run, and then I think I get to the ring, you grab the top rope and do a flip over as I slide under the bottom rope, and then we strike our tag team pose. That that sounds absolutely perfect, and I, I think the music is very, like, it's, like, banjo-heavy, weirdly, mm-hmm. and it pulls on like a little bit of like the franticness of like the kind of sound you would expect from cartoon turkeys running around going crazy it's it's very it's very cartoonish in a way that i think more wrestling should be it's it's i mean it is a cartoon and i appreciate it uh yeah that feels perfect that that's so that's very very good and i i I, I need to say that I love this. I love the Niagara Falls connection with all of my heart, truly. This is one of those things that now I just wish was real. You know, we've, we've, having in the playtest, we've come up with so many like tag teams. It's like, oh no, now I kind of want to see this tag team wrestle. I would, I would watch this in a heartbeat. Um, and I think our opponents, the champions, um, do they have a tag team name? Oh god, their name Falcon Crenshaw and Rex Powerstone. I think they just get introduced as themselves. They still come out together. Yeah. You know, they they kind of almost have a little bit of an FTR vibe going on. I like that. I really like that a lot. Just like a couple angry old school dudes. Yeah. They definitely are very serious about the tag rope. Gotta be. Oh, they gotta be serious about it. Because like I, I know Bigfoot is not serious about the tag rope. Uh, and I think their music is just like a very typical sort of. I'd call it like a late seventies hard rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That feels good. That feels very, very good. I uh, the one thing I think is they are where they wear, uh, not leather jackets, but like the. The silver, uh, like iridescent jackets, like silver, like silvery, silvery leather jackets is the visual that I get yeah, as they no, come to I the ring. That. Like that's that's champion material. Um, and belts worn around the waist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the they get into the ring. They hold up the belts. They they call us. They call on our teams and they ring the bell. And uh, we begin drawing cards. Yeah. Okay, so the first, uh, we have to decide who's the legal man first. Um, who do we think? Who on this team is the legal? Is who, who, who among us is first in the ring? Uh, I think that Ladand is, just so that we can set up a Bigfoot hot tag. Yeah, that feels right. That's, that feels right. Okay, so the first card up is a two. So we'll hop on over to the twos. Uh, so... Twos are classic moves. Your opponent catches you and picks you up. Have the opponent describe how you take a big bump, then add a detail about how the move makes reference to the greats from a bygone era. 
Um, they pick you up. Um, Power Stone picks you up, and I think picks you up, like pant, like flapjacks you, so gets you in a big, <laughs> like in a big flapjack. Um, and then, um, like rolls backwards and kind of like locks your knee in a knee bar. Ooh, and I think it is. It is. It is very. The way that it makes reference to the greats from a bygone era is it is very. We were all four of us wrestlers and we and two of us still are wrestlers that like emphasize like a theatrical style. We are Mm -hmm. we, we are we wrestle a modern indie style and they are wrestling in this match even more than they usually do an old school like technical wrestling style. Right. Like they are. They are showing that, like, this is this is the ultimate symbol that we are not who we were when we teamed together. They are, like, fully kind of doing old, the kind of wrestling you'd see in black and white on a closed-circuit TV. Yeah, that, that sounds perfect. All right, give uh, us our next card. And it's an eight, the eight of hearts. So, eight is high-flying moves. The champs have... You dazed in the middle of the ring as they jump off the top rope. Have your opponent describe the move they execute after bouncing off the ropes. How much hang time do they get? Uh, Crenshaw gets a good amount of, I think, I think it is like a, they, they turn you over. They kind of roll over into the knee bar effortlessly. And, uh, Crenshaw in a move that like gets the referee to break up this whole, like jumps down and like, kind of like, elbow drops your knee essentially that is a very classic move uh just to like fully like bang up your knee uh and get like it i mean it is a gorgeous elbow drop for the record like crenshaw's Mm -hmm. elbow drop is one of the great elbow drops but like does it just to like just to wreck up your knee and make sure that like any kind of offense that you want to do you're not going to be able to use that leg yeah i'm i'm all for that i'm just making a note that I have an injured knee now. Can work that into the rest of the match. Okay, up next is our very first ace. So the aces play a little differently than everything else. Uh, since we're working face, right now we move into the section called the heat. Mm-hmm. So during the heat, the heels are dominating. Uh, if Since we're the faces, we'll be taking most of the moves as seen so far. Um, and I think the question that we get asked is what signals the shift in momentum and then have the heel describe a surprise that makes things move in their favor. So I think the bell ringing probably signaled that shift, right? Yeah. I think, I think it is. um, I think the surprise that, that moves things even more in their favor is there's a moment where the ref has to check on you because like you are you are you are holding your knee and rolling around to a point where like i think it i think um it it they 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 full like they they you seem full on incapacitated i think bigfoot like gets in the ring and gets like thrown over the top rope fully like putting me on the floor as uh as crenshaw like hops out and and starts working me over on the outside yeah, that that's just gorgeous. That kind of like the referee getting involved that early to try to make sure that you're actually capable of continuing the match. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this match might be over in like two minutes. Yeah. 
Okay, our next card is a six. Six is interference. You've started to gain an advantage over your opponent when suddenly the speakers come alive and music begins playing. As a team, create a new wrestler who's allied with the champs. What signature move do they hit to set you up for a near fall? Oh, I have an idea immediately. What if it's not one wrestler? What if it's two? Ooh. And what if it's what if it's the 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 untied gimmick former gimmick of the weekend warrior and TPS? And this is them debuting with their new gimmick as part of this faction. I think that's perfect. And like uh Bigfoot and Crenshaw are out of the ring and we are brawling and they uh maybe uh what happens uh maybe what happens is Crenshaw like is we're brawling and I get the advantage and I take out Crenshaw with a big forearm and somebody stands up in the crowd and whips a like whips a chair at me. And I'm like, I'm yep. just down. And then they we fight, we look over and we're like, wait, I recognize them. Yeah, no, that 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 sounds perfect. And the crowd is like the, the camera pans over and the crowd is like just suddenly very angry that the weekend warrior and TPS are now these awful chair throwing heels. Mm-hmm. I think that that sounds perfect to me. Uh, let's see what move I take next. <laughs> okay, we're back to the high-flying moves. Your opponent has you dazed on the top turnbuckle. Describe the surprising move that you use to bring them back into the ring. Given your size discrepancy, the crowd is stunned. What's the first thing you hear shouted from the crowd as you dive to make a tag? So I think sitting on the top turnbuckle... Ladand is just completely out of it, or at least seems to be, right up until the moment where Power Stone has just completely stopped paying attention, almost like started yelling, maybe started yelling at the crowd to really work the crowd, because that expectation is always sitting there that someone's going to yell or maybe throw some popcorn or something like that and there's there's some crowd work that's going on and during that crowd work there's enough time for Ladan to recover and I think um, basically it's a, a, a top rope cutter that mm. is affectionately referred to as the sliced meat damn it that's great that's great and then, uh, you know, limping over with the bum knee, swing and make a tag. And I think the first thing that we hear shouted is probably something related to Bigfoot. What does does the American Bigfoot have like a catchphrase? Uh, it's Bigfoot is real. <laughs> it's Bigfoot is real. And then he kind of, and that's his, that's his yell before he charges. Yeah, I, I, lo I would love that to be like some, someone who's been devoted to this team for a long time, definitely in all of, you know, has, has an American Bigfoot t-shirt on and everything like that. As the tag happens, screams, Bigfoot is real. And, and like, the crowd just goes crazy. That's great. That makes me very, very happy. All right. Uh, your first card is the 
four of spades. So this is our first four. Knock your opponent's tag partner off the ring. Describe the crowd reaction and how you interact with the fans at ringside. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal I'm gonna steal a move from uh I'm gonna steal a move from one of the greats. Uh this is a this is a, a Biggie Langston style spear through the ropes. Oh just a full on like run. Uh I think I think uh I think Crenshaw has just like, climbed up the turnbuckle and just in one display of vengeance, like is just on the floor. Uh, Bigfoot climbs to his feet, you know, starts pounding his chest. And um, <laughs> I think that like the crowd is getting hyped the second I get tagged. And that's the moment that there's an explosion, right? Like that's the moment right. um, there is just shy of, and, and I think uh, full wrestling storytelling. I think this is the first time this happens, but it becomes like a regular part of our matches. There is a, like uh, almost a Nick Gage style mosh pit that erupts in that moment as like the crowd just starts like jumping up in their chairs and like surrounding me. And then I roll back in the ring. That's that's gorgeous, and I love that. I, anytime there's a Nick Gage style mosh pit, is always the one of the more fun kinds of wrestling you can have. It's the best. It's the absolute best. <laughs> All right, next card up is the Ace of Spades. So this is our second Ace, which, since we're working face, means we're moving into the Shine. During the Shine, the faces are dominating. Since we're the faces, we'll be hitting most of the moves. I think we really just narrated the hot tag that brings us back into the action, so I don't know that we I need would, to tag out. I would love to narrate one. I would love to have you narrate one thing, though. Yes, absolutely. What is our What is our tag team? What is the big tag team move that, that like, we roll back in the ring, I tag you, uh, we go for a big tag team maneuver. We can even keep Bigfoot in the ring and do a double tag, but, like, what's the what's the big glorious tag move that we pull off on power stone um okay so i think our move is first of all it's got to have a name right mm-hmm. i think it's got to be something like horseshoe falls the other side of niagara falls great and uh i think it's like you know like a chop block and a spear basically like do a tabletop maneuver and that's so sick uh, horseshoe falls as they arc over in the shape of a horseshoe over, I think probably the spear, since that's already established as your thing, is the American Bigfoot's mm-hmm. contribution. And the Dun kind of slides in and makes like a table. And then horseshoe falls. That's great. That's very, very good. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that feels great. That's very, very satisfying. Okay, next card up is another four. Your partner is pulled off of the ring by your opponent. Describe how you're worked over while isolated in the ring and then ignore the next tag. So who pulls you who pulls you out of the who pulls you out of the ring? So I think it's I think at a certain point through all of this. Rex Powerstone is tagged out, and Falcon Crenshaw is now the legal man. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a 
bit of distraction going on, you know, having Rex Powerstone having having tagged out is rolled to the floor and kind of snuck his way underneath the ring. He had gone under the ring apron and crawled in and basically sneak attacked from behind with a just like a typical like sweep the leg kind of a maneuver and then landing face first on the uh the ring apron is up you know that that feels like classic feels heel good. work that feels good yeah that feels really good uh so how are you worked over while isolated in the ring um i think i think they've got to get back involved and i think that um i think as you are as you are taken to the outside i think that there is an immediate distraction uh, the weekend warrior jumps up on the apron to get involved, and the ref is yelling at him to get out of here. And meanwhile, TPS and uh, TPS and Crenshaw both like double, like do some double team moves mm-hmm. and really start like kicking me in the corner. And like they set me up for a double suplex. And um, at one point, TPS takes out a a a necktie and starts like choking me with it. And like the crowd is furious because uh, how dare you, that used to be sacred to you. And like the ref is not seeing any of it. And then the second he turns around, uh, TPS is long gone. Yeah, that that's beautiful. I love that. Uh, next card. This is our first 10. Speaking of the referee, uh, 10s represent the referee. The heels needed a Traction and referee Thrice Bemsberg isn't paying careful attention. Have the heel describe how they intentionally distract or knock down the referee and then how they take advantage of that. So I think, uh, you know, we already have TPS on the Weekend Warrior out there running interference and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of them gets into the ring, like, you know, the kind of very obvious cheating, right? Yeah. And in doing so, our referee, who I've named Thrice Bemsberg, no relation. It's very uh, good. It's very good. Is completely lost, you know, typically distracted, as he does in many of his matches, because the ref's just as much of a character as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing the, you know, get out of the ring, what are you doing in the ring, kind of typical yelling at the heels and I think uh, Falcon Crenshaw uses that opportunity to hit a Falcon Arrow, which is one of his signature moves. Go figure. Um, Go figure. And the American Bigfoot takes that Falcon Arrow and just barely manages to kick out, which is shocking because nobody kicks out of the Falcon Arrow. And I think that 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 feels really satisfying to me as a referee usage. That feels good. That feels very, very good. All right. Next up is the Three of Hearts, which is action on the floor. You've been thrown out of the ring. Have your opponent describe how they dive through the ropes and how that impacts you. I mean, there's nothing more classic than just a regular old Tobe Suicida, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I think you you can't go wrong with that. Uh, And I think that sends you back into the barrier and everything like that. And 
there's maybe like a little bit of a oh my god was that a botch moment because you're selling so well and it looks like you might have hit your head or something like that you're perfectly all right mm-hmm. but the way that you've been kind of bounced out of the ring really taken out through that dive sets up a time for tps on the weekend warrior to start really going to town with some like stomps and Mm -hmm. everything like that and i think probably around this time they get thrown out yeah but it's been enough that you're kind of dazed even as you're brought back into the ring that feels great that feels really really good Next card up is a five. Fives are a foreign object is introduced. The champs grab a chair from under the ring. Describe how you counter the attempted chair shot, then make a tag. We are still under the skip the next tag rules, so mm-hmm. you won't make the tag, but you can counter the ca- the chair shot. Um, I think as uh as as uh Thrice Bemsberg is throwing out TPS and the Weekend Warrior, uh. Power Stone, or Crenshaw outside of the ring slides Power Stone in the ring, a chair, mm-hmm. and is like going for the chair shot while is going for the chair shot while uh while uh Thrice's back is turned. Perfect. Uh, but uh Bigfoot in a in in a in a shockingly in, in a in a shocking move, uh Bigfoot uh dodges the chair shot, kicks uh kicks power stone in the gut and surprising everyone goes for the eddie guerrero claps the chair drops it to the ground falls (laughs) down uh the thrice turns around power stone is baffled and is trying to be like no no i didn't i didn't despite the fact that he was trying to (laughs) (laughs) it's like the double fake out. I think that's perfect. I love that. And then uh, goes for the roll up, gets a two count, but does um, the most important, the most underrated, and the most single, uh, most crucial move in professional wrestling. Bigfoot stands up and taps his forehead with one finger three times, which sig- the universal signal for I am smart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> Okay, so the next card up is the Six of Hearts. This is our second six. Uh, So just as things start to seem really hopeless for your team, a former challenger runs in to assist you. Who are they, and how how do they help you turn the match in your favor? Does this get a favorable crowd reaction? Thanks to their help, you're able to make a tag. So we've done some establishing of... We have... Is this Doug the olive farmer running in to throw a to throw a, a container of olive to throw a container of like olives and juice at one of our opponents? Uh yeah, I, I think it, it's gotta be either Doug the Olive Farmer or all of it Sam Golden. Or Sam Golder, I think is the name we came up with. Uh, um, I think I think it's gotta be Sam Golden, and I think uh it is that it is like it jumps up, jumps up and puts the olive into Crenshaw's mouth outside of the ring and in that in, in that way one of the most underrated skill sets in wrestling is the ability to be to be a straight man to a comedy thing and to mm-hmm. sell it like I hate this 
I think Crenshaw goes so hard on that of like, oh, I hate that. How dare you put an olive in my mouth and is like spitting and stomping and uh, it just making the biggest show of it that gives me the opportunity to tag in. Because I think Power Stone walks over like, get out of here. You get out of here right now. Yeah. Uh, I think it is a Kalamata olive with the pit still in. And I mm. think one of <laughs> one of uh, one of all of its signature moves is making you bite the pit. Bite the pit and then do a European uppercut. Exactly. To catch you on the chin. <laughs> All right, uh, okay. so we have made a tag. So Ladonde is legal now. Number three, another action on the floor. You're grappling on the ring apron with your opponent. Have them describe the bump you take on the ring apron. It's the hardest part of the ring, so sell like you mean it. Uh, I think you go... I think you you tag in, um, you end up on the outside, and I think it is a uh, you get uh you get like uranagade mm-hmm. over the like over uh over Power Stone's knee, like you get you take a full on like uranage onto the back onto the apron of the ring, just like this big nasty looking uh nasty looking power move. That is clearly meant to just be like, look, we are the real athletes. We are outperforming them. Yeah, and I, you know, I think there's a whole writhing on the floor type situation. Um, and I think the only way that I'm really able to get back up is through the crowd's help. Because someone in the crowd has one of those turkey calls that people use when they're hunting turkey. <laughs> And while I'm rolling around, like, really, really selling the back pain and everything like that, someone starts blowing on the turkey call, and I just sit bolt upright and start looking around like a, you know, the when a bird hears something and they do the, like, quick scan with their head where they're, like, moving back and forth really quickly? Mm-hmm. It's exactly that for the turkey call. And then because of that, I'm able to see, you know, whatever move they're setting up next, and I'm able to get out of the way. That rules. That's very good. Because <laughs> who who doesn't bring a turkey call to a wrestling if match, you're going right? To see, if you're going to see Ladonde in the in the main event, you bring a turkey call. Okay, so uh, next up, we've got another ace. So this is where we move to the go-home. We're getting ready to finish the match. So we're both taking and executing moves with multiple false finishes to get the crowd worked up. How you describe the moves should be indicative of the match ending soon. What moment signals this change? Describe together what raises the stakes as the match approaches its finish. What raises the stakes is, um, I think, like, you you roll in, uh, Power Stone goes for a finisher, uh, Bigfoot breaks up the pin, Crenshaw comes in with, like, a missile dropkick off the top turnbuckle, mm-hmm. uh, and then... It just evolves into a four-way brawl in the ring of just like punches and headbutts and kicks. As uh, as as TPS and Weekend Warrior run back out, but then uh, they are met by uh, they are met by by Marty Martini and uh, Sam Golden, and there is a second tag team brawl happening outside, like happening on the ramp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they fight their way backstage, and like it is now just. All of the, like, trying to one-up each other has gone away, and now it is just full-on, like, a a brawl, right? And I think that 
what is the what is the what is the moment that uh what is the moment that the stakes like become a become the most clear? I I think it's almost a moment where we kind of stop playing to the crowd as much and start actually focusing on the match. That's great. Right? Like you know we're the crowd favorites, the 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 local local boys who just get all of the love, and I think it's that moment where we really zero in on the match and start taking it's like oh they're taking it seriously oh they can go you know the f- the few time the first time that AEW fans saw Orange Cassidy go and like everyone was like oh he can yeah. actually wrestle that's good that's very very good up next is our third six yes that is correct uh, your opponent's manager has been waiting at ringside for the right moment to strike. Have your opponent describe what what opening they take advantage of. Are they caught and thrown out, or do they get away with it? I have a very, very big pitch for this. I love big pitches. Opponent. Uh, since we have not given them a manager, I think, and and waiting for the right moment to strike has many different meanings. I think what happens is standing up from the commentary table, the owner of the promotion like stands up, uh, does a distraction and like tries to throw off our tries to throw off our rhythm, right? Like maybe maybe like we're brawling and starts to like ring the bell like there's been a distraction, but then somebody comes and snatches the bell, but it's enough time for it's enough time for like uh for like us to get distracted and Power Stone and Crenshaw just like rush us and it is clear that the owner of the promotion does not want us to win this. I have a slight adjustment. Please. We can, yeah. um, I think this is a manager heel turn for Doug the Farmer. Oh, okay. Yep. That feels great. That feels very, very good. And, you know, after all of this, uh, you know, Max Martini and Sam Golden action, he's still out by the side of the ring because he wasn't brawling, but this is his opportunity to basically cause a distraction, maybe steal the ring bell and really. Yeah, just completely screw us over, and in doing so, there's a moment of like handshake. You know the um, those moments where the heel manager is suddenly there with the guys who used to be faces, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is this is unexpected." Except in this yep. case, it's the face manager joining the heel faction. That's great. That's great. That's great. That's very um, very good. I love every moment of that. Okay, up next is our second five. Another foreign object is introduced. Um, Your partner throws you a championship belt. How do you get away with using the belt to hit your opponent? Does this affect how the crowd sees you in this match? Can I change this slight? Well, actually, it is. You're you're the you're the legal wrestler. Yeah. Uh. I would love to hear your pitch for a change, though. I was just going to say, instead of a championship belt, what if it's the bell, like, snatched away from Doug the Olive Farmer and handed off in the ring? I think that's perfect. I think that fits the action in a really, really satisfying way. Um, And, you know, I think there is a moment of 
do I actually do this? There's the questioning as to whether or not I should go through with cheating with this ring bell and everything like that. And I think I kind of come to the decision to get rid of it and I throw it down onto the mat, you know, try to basically Mm -hmm. kind of throw it out of the way. But then uh, I want to say that Rex Power Stone goes to like basically try to use it against me. And in doing so, I think I probably trip him and he takes the bell like basically to the stomach. You know, I don't want to have I guess it could be that he lands like head head first on the bell Mm -hmm. air quotes around head first, you know, probably put his hands up to get it out of the way. Either way, it makes a very satisfying day. <laughs> yes, and I, I think he gets color after that, too. That feels good. That feels like a good moment to start bleeding. Okay, and with that, we've got the fourth ace. So this is the finish. When you draw the fourth ace, both players describe the finishing move they hit as a team. Then whoever was the legal man gets the pin. You're both champions. So I have been thinking... About a tag team maneuver this entire time. I am very glad. I have it in my head. I know the name of it. I've thought about it. It invokes my absolute favorite kind of professional wrestling offense. Um, so did we say Power Stone or Crenshaw took the bell to the face? Uh, Power Stone. So Power Stone is laid out in the ring. Um, Bigfoot climbs the turnbuckle. Thumps his chest real triumphantly. And, like, you know, hypes the crowd up, starts to, like, wave in the crowd. Uh, Ladond climbs the turnbuckle. Hops, like, climbs the turnbuckle. And hops, around, like, and it, like positions himself and, like, gets lifted up in a crucifix uh, by Bigfoot. Okay. He stands at the top turnbuckle and jumps off and does a flying, like, a flying crucifix powerbomb hurling, hurling Ladond at like back first at power stone i love it uh, and the name of this move is as god is my witness i thought turkeys could fly <laughs> yeah that that's like <laughs> literally could not could not get a better move name yeah i'm very happy with how that goes <laughs> and i think the ref counts one two three and that's the end of the match so after the fourth ace is drawn, the match is over. We'll read the After the Bell section aloud and follow the instructions. In character, answer the following interview questions from a legendary play-by-play commentator. His first question is, Congratulations to our new champions! What's it feel like to finally get the win over your rivals? Who's the talker in our group? Uh... <laughs> uh <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab this. I'm gonna grab that opportunity and shock the crowd and grab the microphone. Ooh. Um. Our triumphant victory was nothing if not expected. If you were watching the details, if you were paying attention, if you were looking past, past the fur, past the feathers, at the champions' hearts that beat in our chest. No one in this room should be surprised. The people have won today. And let me tell you something. It feels good. And it feels good knowing and proving to the people that doubted us, to the two people in the ring that thought that we were nothing, 
that we were jokes, that we were fools, that we if that we are real legitimate competitors and we will not be forgotten. Uh, what he said. <laughs> Repeat that in French. I slap Ladonde on the chest. I I I would do that, but it's been years since I've taken French. Fair. So Ladon, the best Le, I could do, Ladonde does it. Ladonde does it, but yeah, the best I can do is occasionally doing the Quebec accent, but that's about it. So you know, it is what it is. Now, well, now that you're champs, who's next? I I think I would like to answer this one. Go for it. You've got the mic. After what they tried to do, Weekend Warrior, TPS, you get the first challenge, and we're going to take you all the way down to the bottom of the falls without the Maid of the Mist. Or a barrel. I uh, grabbed the microphone. Weekend Warrior, TPS, Doug the Olive Farmer, you're in the woods now, and that's Bigfoot's territory. Beautiful. (laughs) Okay, so out of character, decide a few closing details, such as how long your title reign is, if we encounter internal friction as champions, and where our careers go from here. This section doesn't have to wrap up the story of your characters if you'd like to play them again. Characters can also become the champions for your next pair of upstart challengers. You're free to decide how and when you want your characters to come back. For now, though, they are champions and the game is over. How long do we stay champions? I feel like six months is a very good title reign for us. That feels good. You know, I I think there's some other... We probably lose it to a young team. Yeah. You know, they're getting their first major push, and it's, it's our chance to kind of pay back the industry... By helping the next generation, you know. Yeah, I I think that we and I think that we are we are we are decidedly fighting champions. We have like maybe we get to ten defenses and maybe we get like well past that. Yeah, absolutely. The As the, the open challenge like, is one yeah. of my favorite parts of champion. Like the the way that you uh, the the run that you know Cody had with the TNT Championship with the like you know, pulling random guys from indie shows and stuff like that to have their shot at these tag titles and just really giving everyone a spectacle. It's the most I ever liked John Cena by a wide margin. <laughs> That's when he fair. was just putting on baller matches every week and doing the worst springboard stunner every week. <laughs> it was great. It was great. And I think, yeah, we have like a long, we have like a good strong reign. We get like put over and it's, it, it, yeah, that feels good. And it feels like that's how we kind of like are put over like the legacy of of Power Stone and Crenshaw, even if they ultimately will win the title a lot more than us. Like mm-hmm. we hold the like most number of defenses so that like all four of us, because I think that the important thing on some level, and I think this is this is the backstage reality of it, is like all four of us as longtime friends that came up together like. That's our, that's kind of, uh, that was kind of our way together of kind of being able to be like, look, this is what the four of us did. But like, this is what the four of us defined in this promotion is like, Crenshaw and Power Stone are like the multi-time champions and Ladonde and Bigfoot are the, like, have like the most reigns and it's like unchallenged for a very long time. And it's kind of the four of our way to be like, this is what we did. 
this was this was this was our moment when we got to like really like define the future of this young promotion. Yeah, and like really cement ourselves as like, you know, future Hall of Famers for the promotion. Yeah. When they eventually establish a Hall of Fame some and years think, down the line. And I think that is that is the closing visual is uh a flag on the wall of this like uh I, we gotta we gotta say what the what 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 is the venue what is the venue usually that we that that our shows are running i want to say it feels like it would be a um like a arena for like a major junior hockey team like a qmjhl team that feels great that feels that feels wonderful and I think, like on the wall of this of this junior hockey arena, there is a there are there are two flags side by side, and the first one says Crenshaw and Powerstone, and the second one says Bigfoot and Ladond. I think that's perfect. That's a beautiful closing visual. And with that, that's game. Thank you so much for playing this with me. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm really glad this game worked out well. It's one of I think it's probably one of the best games that I've designed so far. It's it's it. I mean, it it's a flawless wrestling game. Like the 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 flow of it was absolutely pitch perfect. It was thrilling. It was exciting. It was it was great. I'm I'm beaming having gotten to play this game. This was wonderful. Yeah, I, I you know I, the four or five times I've played it, every single time has been just an absolute delight. So very glad to put this out into the world. It's great. This kicked ass. Well, thank you again for playing this. Before we wrap up, where can people find you, your work, and the game online? Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Tumblr, Itch, and basically anywhere else that matters as ZaftiCat. That's Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T. Uh, I also co-host and produce a few podcasts. Um, I'm the co-host of Unsound Theories, a show where we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out the plot. An actual play show called Chicks with Dice that I host with three of my partners. Uh, We are currently getting ready to gear up for our season two using Monster of the Week, and we're calling that one Disaster Lesbian's Guide to the Apocalypse. And then the... What else? Oh, yeah, right. The wrestling show that I do. Um, We also have a show called Marking Out with My Girlfriend, where my partner Aaron and I talk about Basically, all things wrestling, but most of the time focus on lauding our favorite Wrestle Factory alumni, because, you know, why not? Um, and then also, by the time this episode airs, I should have a new game out on Itch called 2D6 Goblins, a belonging outside belonging game about the so-called monsters that make up a generic fantasy random encounter. That's great. That's very good. Uh, thank you so much for playing this game with me. This was the best time. I am uh, so happy. And for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future, me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Cat for coming on the show. That game was legitimately so much fun. I, it was everything that I love about professional wrestling, the goofy characters and the hard-hitting action and the, the story beats. It just was truly it was everything that I wanted it to be and then some. It it fucking ruled. 
Be sure to pick up your own copy of Call It In The Ring at zaftikat.itch.io. That's Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T dot itch.io. And be sure to follow Cat on Twitter at Zaftikat. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Then like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash partyofonepodcast. If you enjoyed the show, come talk about it with us at bit.ly slash partyofonediscord. Uh, or you can leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or Podchaser. You can also... I don't know, say a nice thing about the show on social media or to a friend. Those are nice things to do. You can also financially support the show at patreon.com slash jeffstormer or ko-fi.com slash jeffstormer or head to bit.ly slash partyofonemerch and pick yourself up a t-shirt or a notepad or a sticker or whatever. It's all neat stuff. And then if you're looking for another podcast to listen to, check out All My Fantasy Children. That is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast on the OneShot Podcast Network where my best friend and I, Aaron Catano Saez, take a listener-submitted prompt, we spin it into an original fantasy character, and populate a shared universe, one story at a time. New episodes drop, I don't know when they drop, at oneshotpodcast.com. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran, featuring the D&D Sluggers, and the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, coming onto the show as a guest, or about press coverage of the show, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And... I mean, I think that's all we do here. It has been a while, so I don't fully remember, but I'm pretty sure that's all we do here. So... Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody.